Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Poppers podcast with your host Adam O'Reilly reporting live from the Mind Poppers basement as always. Now a trigger warning before we get in to the meat of this episode. This episode looks at some incredibly dark things. There is a lot of talk of death and demise and murder. So if you don't have the stomach for that then maybe you know listen to something else from the mind poppers repertoire now if you do think you can handle that listen on before we get in to the murder something that has been you know on my mind quite a lot is the concept of eating ass you know because it's all well and good you know saying oh eat my ass eat my ass you know because eating ass the whole i guess the idea of eating ass has become such a very prominent, I was playing very like prominent role and I guess you'd call it like meme culture um, where you know everyone's talking about eating ass or whatever but you know are a lot of people actually eating ass you know eating ass, ass eating, rim jobs, uh, tossing salad you know it's become a part of a vocabulary, it's become part of the culture but how many of us are actually participating in you know either getting our ass ate or eating our partner's ass or maybe you may be versatile and you know maybe you're eating each other's ass or maybe you are just sickened by the thought of placing your luscious lips around somebody's butthole you know obviously it's like sure it's not for everybody you know because obviously the butthole is you know, it's where you shit out of. Oh my God, I'm sorry. That is so nasty. That's so nasty early on in this episode. But I asked the question on Instagram a couple of days ago. You know, I wanted to know, I wanted to hear from people who were out there on the front lines eating some bootay. You know, what's it like? What is it about it, you know, that appeals to you so much? You know, I just wanted to get a feel of how many people were eating ass and especially in, in what way the dynamics of eating ass would work, you know? Was it, you know, because when when, when I think of a heterosexual couples, you know, I of you, you kind of would think, I mean, if you were like me, I was under the impression that, you know, it was kind of like a sit on my face situation where, you know, the guy is eating out his girlfriend's ass. You know, that is what I was under the impression of. So I put out feelers on Instagram, you know, hoping to get some listener mail on the topic, which we did. We have some incredible stories, which I'll play for you later on, sent in by listeners of the Mind Poppers podcast. But what I'll tell you now, before I get into it, something so surprising to me was the amount of Irish girls who were out there eating booty. 
you know? I, I couldn't have been more wrong. The amount of gals out there who are eating their boyfriend's booty holes out, you know, is astronomical. It's huge, <laughs> you know? Um, so I was shocked because, you know, I guess I'm not, I don't play a prominent role in the world of ass eating myself. While it does not, like, disgust me or anything, you know, I just haven't, you know, been out there eating ass or getting this ass ate. Um, so before I want to, before I go into the, the listener mail and what have you in regards to ass eating, I mean, ass eating, what do we really know about it? I, I think the earliest recording, uh, like at least the, the written recording of eating ass, I think dates, dates back maybe to the late 1800s, you know? Not a whole lot of talk about it for sure, um, but it, it did exist. Now, you know, it, eating ass has never been more relevant now. But just because it's relevant now doesn't mean that it hasn't been happen- happening all along, you know, throughout ancient history. It's not like, you know our generation discovered the butthole, you know? Nothing of the sort. Um, so I think it would be a bit naive and arrogant of us to, to think that our generation was the first generation to, you know, eat ass. Now, we might be the first generation to openly, you know, eat ass and celebrate the the eating of the ass. But, um, you know, in, more, in all likelihood, you know, eating ass has been around for hundreds of years, you know, because we all know, we all heard the stories about what the Greek and Romans were up to, you know, so they were up to all that, you best believe, they were also eating some booty cake, you know, for sure. Um, eating ass. Tossing salad is another name for, uh, is another term coined for eating ass, which apparently, it's, it's hard to track down where the actual origins of the tossing salad as a reference to eating ass comes from but it's used in a lot of pop culture if you remember Nicki Minaj and you know the Anaconda music video you know he tossed my salad like his name Romaine you know so it's just become such a part of the culture eating ass um I think they dated back um eating ass or the the term uh, tossing salad for eating ass I think back to early gay culture in San Francisco nonetheless I digress what I want to talk about before we get into the listener mail is um you know I want to explore how to eat ass let's you know give a basic guide to people and what's involved in eating ass so we're all like on a level playing field before we get into the nitty-gritty now apparently I was doing some research on eating ass and the history of eating ass oh my god <laughs> um it's just god I just keep hearing myself saying eating ass and it's starting to annoy me um Apparently, it used to be used um, a couple of hundred years ago as a punishment, you know? So if you were like maybe a prisoner of war or, you know, you'd stole some bread, what have you, back in the day, you know, a part of your punishment, your capital punishment could be, you know, being brought out into the streets and you would have to lick out and eat out some guy's ass, you know, in front of everybody, like a public humiliation type thing. You know, I get which, yeah, again... Uh, you know on the surface level sounds quite hot you know um but obviously you know it wasn't consensual you know you were dragged out and and you you had no control over whose ass you were eating out you know as part of this punishment but yeah so eating ass wasn't always just a sexual thing there are certain connotations with it you know that go back to corporal punishment and being forced you know to eat out some sergeant's asshole um for committing a crime what have you now Again, like I said, I'm no expert in, you know, cooking up some little pound cake, you know? So I wanted to go online and find, you know, like a definitive guide to eating ass. And of course, who better 
to tell us about eating as then Vice magazine. <clears throat> so Vice magazine, their first port of call they say is to make sure that you or they are clean. So it's a whole kind of thing of like learning how to douche or whatever, which is basically like cleaning out your butthole. Um, how to douche is a whole different article for now. I recommend watching Sex Education Series 2 Episode 6 or to surmise what Raheem says in the show, squat, squirt, hold and release. If you are getting rimmed and know far enough in advance to prepare, douching is always the answer. If you don't have time to fully flush out your asshole, take a moment in the bathroom to make sure you're washed and wiped the best you can. Unless you're bored into scat. And like I said before, if you, if you don't know what scat is, scat is kind of... It's like a sexual kind of kink where, you know, it involves feces, it involves shit, you know, like people might shit into each other's mouths or onto each other's chest, what have you. Again, trigger warning. I guess it's too late for a trigger warning to like, you know, turn it down if the kids are around, you know, they gotta learn. Um, But obviously the importance there is being, being clean. Um, And like, this isn't just a preference. Being unclean between your buns can also lead to bad health. Sex therapist uh, and bear dating app co-founder Gillian Myhill warns, it's worth noting that there are digestive bacteria that can be found in the anus as well as bugs like E. coli and salmonella, which can make you sick. So clean, clean, clean. And if you are rimming um, someone who also happens to own a pussy, um, then you have to make sure to avoid spreading anything into the vaginal canal as this can potentially cause infection. So I don't know, I mean, if you're eating out some booty and then you're going to eat out some... Uh, cookie then I guess Listerine in between again making sure that you or they are clean clean so as well in considering the physical cleanliness of the ass you're eating or your own chocolate starfish knowing someone's sexual health is just as important as any other kind of penetration because STIs can be transmitted through eating ass you know so you do have to be careful you do have to be clean and you do have to be safe if you're going around eating ass all the time just know that like anything else in the world of sex you know you have to protect yourself from potential stis um so they say you have to get in there so when you're getting down and dirty with someone's back door you need to leave all your reservations behind it can't just be half arsed a lazy rim can be worse than no rim at all but ain't that the truth (laughs) oh For those less enthusiastic about the idea, My Hill stands firm on her ground that slow and steady wins the race. Just remember to experiment. There are many techniques used from circling around the outside of the anus to pushing your tongue between the folds. Try it all out and see how everything feels. Now the article also goes on and recommends that you relax, take a breath. For myself and most ladies that I know, feeling tense is far from conducive to an orgasm. If you're straining to keep your butthole closed or stressing about any chance of trumping, which I guess is farting, you probably won't feel the benefits of butt munching. Whichever end of the tunnel you're on, make sure you try and keep as zen as you can with your asshole in someone's face or an arsehole in your face and talk to your partner and go slowly. If this is something new for the both of you, then it's likely you will both be as nervous as each other. Try and make your partner feel secure, confident and sexy. For this, I fully recommend dousing the situation in consent littered dirty talk. Do I taste good is a personal fave. 
And I guess the whole thing is, people are like, oh, why would you eat ass? Why would you eat ass? What's the purpose? Well, for FYI, the the anus, so the butthole, you know, has a very a collection of very sensitive nerve endings. So yes, there is absolutely, you know, pleasure to be had there, of course. So what I want to do now is get into our listener mail. Like I said, I put up on Instagram, I wanted to get to know, you know, I wanted to infiltrate Assyler's Anonymous and find out what it is or what repulses people about ass eating. So I'll read out some of the messages that I got in anonymously. And then I have two stories, two um, audio stories sent in from listeners of the pod, re-ass eating, and some of them are wild. So some girl wrote in, she said, weirdly, I don't like it being done to me. But I don't mind doing it, which is unusual. You know, the fact that, you know, you don't like you're having your ass eaten, but you'll eat your boyfriend's, you know, and I support that. Another girl wrote in, boyfriend's ass so big, I literally cannot breathe and have to come up for air in brackets. Consent picture of ass. (laughs) Okay. Um, Another message. We should all be eating ass. We are putting each other's genitals in our mouths anyway. Another On the first night with my now boyfriend of three years, he surprised me and ate my ass while I was laying on my front. It was my first time and was amazing. 10 out of 10, big fan. Another message about ass eating. Hey Adam, my boyfriend eats my ass all the time and I am a fan. Was very against it first, but since my mind and cheeks have been opened, I haven't looked back. She also goes on to add, I remember being genuinely repulsed by the thought at first. I know, what the fuck? But eventually tried it and can honestly say it's become a fundamental part of sex for me. The butthole honestly holds so much potential. Absolutely it does. Thank you, butt munching queen. Um, Another girl writes in and she says, both here, she enjoys having her ass ate and eating her boyfriend's ass. Can't get enough of eating ass. Slash having mine eaten. Shame that some guys, usually exclusively bottom, recoil at the suggestion of eating out their top, though, lol. Now, this is just some LGBT terminology. Top and a bottom. Top is the penetrator. Bottom is the person receiving the peen. And that they associate a top wanting it with being less mask. Whatever the fuck that means, lol. Straight porn turns me on in general, even though I'm into guys, but nothing makes me come faster than seeing a straight guy getting eaten out and enjoying it. Love eating guys out while making prolonged and sustained eye contact with them and making them come while I'm right up in there. I think I might be trying to recreate one of the best sexual experiences of my life when I was young and a guy rimmed me for the first time and kept eye contact throughout lol. Also, love to use two fingers. I shove them in and out and rim between finger banging intervals. LOL. I don't know if I could do the whole um, eye contact thing. You know, I would just feel weird. I, you know, I feel like if I was getting my ass ate out, I'd be like, you know, in the face on a dog when it's taking a shit and it looks up at its owner and it's like nothing but shame. I feel like I'd have those like b- eyes bulging out of my head looking up at the person who was eating my ass. I don't think it would be comfortable for either. Another person writes in, I love getting my ass ate, but I can't even think about eating someone else's ass. Tried to once, but had to stop. Didn't do anything for me at all. It's a no from me. 
Another message. Haha, both me and my boyfriend do it to each other, lol. Not something I was into at first, but with a little encouragement from him, it's 100% for me. Now, when I get into the, the, the listener mail, okay, one of these stories is fucking wild. It is wild. And of course, you know, it is all about ass eating. Um, so our first uh, story comes in. Uh, this girl replied to my message, you know, re-ass eating. She said, hey, Adam, have been both served and the server. What do you want to know? So, ha ha ha, thank you. Okay, so basically, my ex at the time had been on about me trying to eat his ass for ages. And I was like, oh my God, no, the germs, you know. But eventually I was like, fuck it, we'll try it. And like, I feel like once you've wiped or showered or whatever, it really does just feel like licking skin or any other part of the body. And he was moaning like crazy and loving it. Really pleasurable to him and really became like a staple in our sex routine after that. I would eat his ass's foreplay. And honestly, when he ate mine, I didn't like it originally. But again, as you get used to it, there's that area in between the kind of anus and vag is like unbelievable to get licked. So yeah. What really was a joke before about eating each other's asses became a regular occurrence for us during sex. Once we started, we just couldn't stop, basically. One day, his dad walked in to me eating his ass. Ha <laughs> Dirty devils. I know. And I really thought that this girl kind of articulated this point. Well, you know, she really made ass eating sound like some sort of, you know, fairy tale. Um, to which... She went on to say, haha, thank you. I mean, it's the most unromantic thing you could do, but we've made it work, you know. Basically, his dad walked in and I jumped up a mile to the other side of the room and his dad was all apologies being like, sorry, I should have knocked. <laughs> Gotta do what you have to do. But like, I don't know if I feel like we were on that level, you know. After a night out even, we would eat each other's asses and you know, like, that is a big step considering your stomach does be tossing and turning. <laughs> Oh, but like, I don't know. I feel like we were on that level, you know, after a night out even, we would even, or we would eat each other's asses. And you know, like, that's a big step considering your stomach does be tossing and turning during the night after drinking. And you do just be in bits after a night out. But asses really are just like any other body part to me now. Okay. And now we will get in to the listener mail. I'm so sorry. I know I'm an absolute freak, but uh, basically, so yeah. So um, me and my boyfriend are very curious. Like, obviously, there was so many. I feel like ass eating is such a big meme culture these days as well. So like, we used to joke about it, like me eating his ass and stuff. And I was like, no, 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 men do germs and stuff. We're like, no, fuck that. And then anyway, eventually one day I was like, fuck it, we'll do it. It is ass out, and he loved it. Oh my god, like better than any blowjob. Like he just fucking loved it. And, um, yeah, like, I don't know, just provided much pleasure, a lot of moaning and stuff. And, um, like, the first few times that um, he did it to me, I didn't, I don't know, it didn't do anything for me. But, like, I feel like as a girl, like, the kind of, like, area in between, like, the vagina and the ass, I don't know what that's actually called, but that area to be licked is unreal. So, I don't know, it kind of became a staple, you know, a and, um, yeah, just kind of became a staple and foreplay after that. But I feel like a lot of people are the same. It's just not really talked about. It's kind of joked about and stuff. 
But um, I feel like, you know, it's one of those things, like, once you try it, you don't stop, you know? But yeah, would recommend to a friend, not gonna lie. Well, there you have it, you know? You heard, you heard it from, you know, the devil herself. You know, once you start eating ass, you don't stop. I guess it's like smoking crack. Um, but what a progressive view of eating ass. Um, uh, where was that girl, by the way? Because I heard a lot of people like partying and dancing in the background. Did this girl stop, uh, which we appreciate to send in listener mail, stop in the middle of some gaff party to talk about how... Her boyfriend loves, you know, getting his ass ate. And we respect that. We respect all the good work you do. Now, the next story, okay, is wild. You know, you're not ready for this one. So, a girl, a listener, replied to my Instagram story, you know, about me searching for the truth about bot munching. She replied, I've had my fair share of ass eating, laughy face, you know. She didn't give too much away. Um, so I went on, you know, asked her a few questions about, you know, what was it about ass eating that, you know, turned her on and whatever. And she was like, Adam, let's cut the bullshit. Let's get to the chase. I have a story for you about ass eating. That's going to blow your mind. And she said, while it's not particularly a sexy story, it's more of a butt munching slash revenge thriller. And she was right. Buckle up for this one. My story is more of a revenge story rather than a sexy story. So um, eating ass would have been a regular part of me and my ex-boyfriend's sex. So I found out he was cheating on me one day, gave myself a few days to calm down and decided I wanted to get revenge. So a um, bit of a background, I have celiac disease. So anytime I have pasta, I would get quite gassy, fart and would usually need to go to the toilet. So I text him, I was like, hey, if you're free later, I was going to come round. I haven't seen you in a while. And he's like, yeah, come on round. So I went round to his after I had a giant bowl of pasta, got straight to it, brought him right upstairs. And I started like pushing his head down towards my ass and I squeezed and a I just wanted to fart in his mouth, to be honest with you, but I ended <laughs> I ended up shitting in his mouth. And, oh, my God, it was so funny. Well, not for him, but for me. Um, so, yeah, he was like, oh, my God, what the fuck just happened? He was like, oh, my goodness, what the fuck just happened? What did you do? And I just got up and I was like, that's what you get for cheating on me, you dickhead. And I was like, just bye and walked out and drove home. Did have a shitty arse the whole way home, but you know what? It was so worth it. And today it is my proudest moment. Thanks, Adam. Love the pod. (laughs) Queen shit. (laughs) Simple as. That is some queen shit. That is some queen behaviour that you were exhibiting, you know? The boyfriend liked to eat ass. He cheated. What better way to take, you know, his kink, his turn on his fetish, than shit in his mouth. Um, that, that is fucking wild. And honestly, I was not, I really, really was not expecting that. And it was just the accent as well for me of, of that listener. Just I, that accent, it just resonates something in me. It just, I associate it with innocence. She's like, oh no, 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 I, yeah, I had him up and I shit in his mouth, like Nadine Coyle or something. <laughs> oh, that is just some queen shit. And I had to know. I was like, okay, well, well, how did he take it? So she messaged me back and said, he called me a tramp and told me to get the fuck away. 
um, that he was going to tell everyone and ask for his TV back, which I kept, of course. Like I said, queen shit. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, like I said, in this episode, this episode would get particularly dark. Potentially a lot darker than we've gone before on Mind Poppers. So consider this your trigger warning now. There is a lot of talk about death, pain. Uh, we're done with the body eating, thank God. Well, are we? Um, but what I want to get into, okay, and something that has always fascinated me is what are some of the most painful ways to die? You know, in particularly looking at some, you know, torture that has been used throughout the world and has been used uh, and it still is in, in sometimes, but extremely ways to die. And I have to let you know, trigger warning, okay, that I talk about some real cases, some real, real, you know, events that may hit home. But if you've made it this far, if you made it through all that ass eating, then I think you're ready. So these aren't all the most painful ways to die. These are just some of the most painful ways to die that have stuck out to me. Of course, we could go on forever. One of the most painful ways to die that struck out for me first was that of being skinned alive. So being skinned alive has been around for a very long time, since I guess around 800 BC. And many civilizations have practiced it from every corner of the globe. This was a practice that was, in fact, carried out in medieval Europe. The aim of skinning someone alive, or flying, flaying, uh, the technical term, um, the aim of skinning someone alive um was basically and like you could be skinned alive for say something from even stealing from the church or what have you you know it it wasn't like you know the punishment fits the crime kind of a situation the aim of skimming someone alive was to detach their skin as one whole so you weren't just chopping a bitch up you were literally skinning them like you were unzipping a jacket But in order to be skinned alive, authorities would have to make sure that the skin was supple. So oftentimes victims were left out in the blistering sun or often had their skin boiled in order to soften it up. The torturer would then go about making strategic incisions at various parts of the body, slicing through each layer of skin. The peeling usually began from the face with every sinew of skin being ripped from the nerve endings. The pain experience is unmanageable, unimaginable. Dermatologist Ernest G. Jung, 
Mm-hmm. Get into that. Notes the typical causes of death due to flaying are shock, critical loss of blood or other blood bodily fluids, which also can come from hypothermia or infections. And the actual death is estimated to occur from anywhere from a few hours or to a few days after being skinned alive. So back in, say, medieval Europe, when they were when they were skinning a prisoner alive, or whatever, as punishment, that person could potentially live, be alive for days without their skin without an out and ins- out and without an ounce of skin on their body and just being left to the, i guess to the bare muscle and, and the organs and and what have you now on this story about skinning people alive i want to briefly tell you um the story about ed gain the story of edward theodore gain so he was also known as the butcher of plainfield and the plainfield ghoul. He was an American convicted murderer and body snatcher. His crimes committed around his hometown of Plainfield, Wisconsin gathered widespread notoriety after authorities discovered that Gain had exhumed corpses from local graveyards and fashioned trophies and keepsakes from their bones and skin. So Edward was born in 1906 and died in 1984 so he had a long full life ahead of him. Um, Gain confessed to killing two women, tavern owner Mary Hogan in 1954 and Plainfield Hardware store owner Bernice Warden in 1957. So I guess the whole thing was he, he had murdered two women but had also had this thing where he was going to graveyards and digging up bodies and was, you know, taking bits off them and what have you. Um, but listen to this, this is where it gets sickening. On the morning of November 16, 1957, Plainfield hardware store owner Bernice Warden disappeared. A Plainfield resident reported the hardware store truck had been driving out from the rear of the building at around 9.30am. The hardware store was closed the entire day. Some area residents believe that this is because of deer hunting season. Bernice Warden's son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, entered the store around 5pm to find the store's cash register open and bloodstains on the floor. Frank Warden told investigators that Ed Gain had been in the store the evening before his mother's disappearance and that he would return the next morning for a gallon of antifreeze. A sales slip for a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written by Warden on the morning she disappeared. On the evening of the same day, Gain was arrested at West Plainfield Grocery Store at, and the Washahora County Sheriff's Department searched the Gain farm. A Washahora County Sheriff's deputy discovered Warden's decapitated body in a shed on Gain's property, hung upside down by her legs with a crossbar at her ankles and ropes at her wrists. The torso was dressed out like a deer. She had been shot with a twenty-two caliber rifle and mutilations were made after her death. So there was the, the missing um the missing hardware store owner and her son searched for the truth, her son was the deputy. So obviously the search led them to Gaines Farm. Upon finding uh, Gaines Farm and coming across the the body of his mother, the decapitated body of his mother, what authorities found on Gaines property is beyond belief. Searching the house, authorities found whole human bones and fragments, a wastebasket made of human skin, human skin covering several chair seats, 
Skulls on his bedposts. Female skulls, some with the tops sawn off. Bowls made from human skulls. A corset made from a female torso skinned from shoulders to waist. Leggings made from human leg skin. Masks made from the skin of female heads. Mary Hogan's face mask in a paper bag. Mary Hogan's skull in a box. Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of Gaines' potbelly stove. Nine vulva in a shoebox, okay? Nine vulva in a shoebox. A young girl's dress and the vulvas of two females judged to have been 15 years old. A belt made from female human nipples. Four noses. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. A lampshade made from the skin of a human face. And fingernails from female fingers. That is the story of Ed Gain, the butcher of Plainfield. But alas, the capacity for human torture for murder, the darkest recesses of the human mind and capability does not stop with skinning alive. Being stoned to death was a common form of capital punishment in ancient times. Today it is still practiced in many parts of the Middle East, Africa and Indonesia. The official name for stoning to death is lapidation. It's a fairly straightforward, you know, process. Um, you know, a person is either tied down or oftentimes buried up to their waist, what have you, and people throw large stones. So the cause of death is usually blunt force trauma. You may see many accounts of stoning to death as punishment for adultery in a lot of places of the world. Um, but even though it is legal in a lot of places of the world, it, you know, doesn't happen, you know, you know, that often because it is, a stoning is obviously something that is, you know, incredibly condemned by by human rights group th- throughout the globe. Um, now, there was one true story uh, in recent times, I think this was in 2008, where a young girl of 13 years of age um, was stoned to death. And I read this from a report um, in Am- Amnesty International, you know, that, that was released 12 years ago. So, and it is the story of um, Aisha Ibrahim Duhalo from uh, Somalia. So she met her death by stoning. So 13-year-old Aisha was from Somalia. And like I said, on Monday the 27th of October 2008, she had met her death by stoning. And this is a real story, okay? I got this from Amnesty International. And it's scary that this shit still goes on in the world. But nonetheless... She was 13 years old and was killed on a Monday, 27th October, by a group of 50 men who stoned her to death in a stadium in the southern port of Kimsawa in front of around a thousand spectators. And that's the thing with stoning, you know, throughout history, even though this is a modern, a modern case, it was, it was about pub, you know, it was public humiliation almost. And the fact that people would stand idle by and say nothing, um, some of the Somali journalists who had reported she was 23 at the time was actually discovered by Amnesty International that she was only 13 and that the journalists had made this assumption based on her physical appearance. So this poor girl, she was accused of adultery in breach of Islamic law, but her father and other sources told Amnesty International that she'd in fact been raped by three men and had attempted to report this rape to al shahabi militia who controlled Kimisawa. And it was this act 
that resulted in her being accused of adultery and detained. None of the men who she accused of rape were arrested. Um, so, I mean, it just goes to show in, in a lot of parts of the world, the female voice, it's just not being, it's not being heard to. It's not being listened to. Like this poor girl, 13 years of age, was raped by three men. And going on, go, on upon going and reporting this, she was condemned for adultery. And none of these three men were arrested. You know, so it is important to know that while we can look back at human, or like humanity's horrible histories, you know, and, and it can be very interesting, whatever, you know, a lot of that evil and that violence, you know, ha- still resonates today and is oftentimes still practicing today. Um, another um, common way of murder, of death, throughout history, um, which has been widespread in every corner of the globe again, is death by dragging. So a dragging death usually involves having your legs or your hands tied, you know, and attached to the back of an automobile or carriage. And as the vehicle speeds down the road, you were dragged along behind it, having your skin torn to shreds, your muscles pummeled. And of course, you're going to break plenty of bones. You know, that goes without saying. And obviously, this was a particularly common use of torture and execution throughout human history. But the darkness behind the inhumane practice is something that did not stay locked away in humanity's gruesome past. And we can talk about, and again, this is another real case, another real case. And I want you to hear the date of this and realize that it was not long ago because that poor girl got stoned to that in 2008. And here is another equally gruesome story, an equal violation of human rights. And this is the story of James Byrd. James Byrd was an African-American man who was murdered by three white supremacists in Jasper, Texas on June 7th, 1998. Sean Berry, Lawrence Brewer and John King dragged Byrd for three miles behind a pickup truck along an asphalt road. Byrd, who had remained conscious for the, for the whole thing, for the whole ordeal, was killed about halfway through the dragging when his body hit the edge of a culvert, which is is like a big steel pipe, severing his right arm and his head. The murderers drove on for another one and a half miles before dumping Bird's torso in front of a black cemetery in Jasper, Texas. Brewer and King were the first white men to be sentenced to death for killing a black person in the history of modern Texas. Bird's lynching by dragging gave impetus to uh, to passage of Texan hate crimes. Um, So after this hate crime, they did go on to, I guess, implement, you know, hate laws. um, Which later led to passage by Congress of the Matthew Shepard and James Bird Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, commonly known as the Matthew Shepard Act in 2009. Brewer was executed by lethal ejection for his involvement in this crime by the state of Texas on September 21st, 2011. King was executed by lethal injection at the state penitentiary in Huntsville, Texas on April 24th, 2019. Berry was sentenced to life imprisonment and will be eligible for parole in 2038. First of all, obviously one of these guys is still alive. One of these uh, people involved in the hate crime, the murder of Bird. And the, the, the person most uh, close before that w- w- got the lethal injection in 2019. This was only in the 1970s. Where, where this, what, when, we, when we talk about dragging and that kind of like punishment, you, you think it's far back in history again. You, you, you think of like the times of medieval Europe or what have you, but nothing of the sort. 
these hate crimes and the viciousness that a lot of humanity possesses have, you know, successfully echoed on throughout time. So it's always to remember when we're talking about like either women's rights or just human rights in general and listening to the black voice or whatever, this, you know, isn't something that happened hundreds of years ago before we were all born or whatever. The 1970s, 2008, uh uh-uh. They weren't that far gone at all. Now moving on. And what I can say is a common phobia, I think for a lot of us, if not all of us, is the, the fear of being buried alive. Oftentimes throughout history, being buried alive was a cruel and terrible form of execution where the victim would more than likely die from asphyxiation. However, there was also many accounts of individuals who were buried alive unbeknownst to everyone else that they were actually still alive. Starting around the 18th century, suspected corpses were subjected to abusive tests to establish death. It ranged from fairly benign nipple pinching all the way up to hot pokers being inserted into the rectums. So obviously, I guess when, when modern medicine, you know, wasn't up to scratch and obviously still has a long way to go, when they couldn't determine, you know, if someone was in fact dead or not, they would like inflict, I guess, potential pain on the body. And if there was no response, then someone would be presumed dead. Now, if you suffer from taphophobia, which is the fear of being buried alive, then good luck with this next story. You know, as we talk about some of the most painful and horrific ways to die and, you know, things that have been used as torture throughout the ages, nothing strikes as much fear into people as the thought of being buried alive. And unfortunately, it has happened more often than you'd think. And if you remember, like they depict, you know, like those... um the old cemeteries in some movies, you know, the, the bell above the grave, so that if a corpse happened to wake up or whatever, they'd ring the bell, and then I guess the, the graveyard keeper, or whatever you called them, would know that, that someone had been buried alive. Let me tell you the story of Angelo Hayes. So in 1937, a 19-year-old from France named Angelo Hayes went for a motorcycle ride. Perhaps he had minimal knowledge of how to operate such a vehicle because he ended up crashing it and slamming headfirst into a brick wall. When help arrived, they found Hayes' head was mangled and he had no pulse. He was so terrible to look at that his parents were kept from seeing him for their own good. Hayes was declared dead and buried three days later. Due to an investigation by an insurance company, the body of Angelo Hayes was exhumed two days after the funeral. It was quite the surprise to find that this body was still warm. Apparently, in the aftermath of the accident, his body put itself into a deep coma and required very little oxygen to keep his system. After being buried alive, Hayes received proper medical care and went on to make a miraculous full recovery. He then invented a type of security coffin that he toured across France. It was reported to contain a small oven, a refrigerator and a hi-fi cassette player. I mean, surely you're going to make something that lets you know that people are outside, that, that you're in, you know, that lets people, that lets the outdoor world know that you're locked in a fucking coffin. You're not going to, because the way, the way Angela has made this sound, like with his, with his new like coffin, his new like studio apartment coffin, you know, that you might find in Dublin, like with the fucking often and all that. Um, I don't really know. 
as in like my first thing would be like okay I'll get get me the fuck out of here not like oh pie's ready you know with the oven I, I don't think we need that the next story I will tell you of is that of Octavia Smith Hatcher in 1989, Octavia Smith married a wealthy Kentuckian named James Hatcher. The newlyweds had a son whom they named Jacob. However, infant mortality rates being what they were in the late 1800s, Jacob died in infancy. Losing her son put Octavia in a deep depression and she was bedridden for several months. During this time, she also began showing signs of a mysterious illness. Eventually, her body entered a coma-like state and nobody could awaken her. She was pronounced dead in May 1891, just four months after Jacob's death. It was an unusually hot May that year, and so Octavia was buried quickly. But a few days later, others in the town began falling into a similar coma-like sleep, with shallow breathing patterns, only to awaken a few days later. They discovered it was an illness caused by the bite of the test day fly. Fearing that she had been buried alive, James panicked and had Octavia exhumed, thinking she might awaken. She had... But James was too late. Octavia's coffin was airtight. He found the coffin lining had been shredded and Octavia's fingernails were bloody. On her face was a frozen, contorted shriek of terror. A traumatised James reburied Octavia and erected a lifelike monument of her that sits in the cemetery she rests in. Ever since his wife's death, historians note that James went on to develop a severe phobia of being buried alive. And I mean, who wouldn't? You know, something that I am fascinated, something that we are fascinated with here at the Mind Poppers podcast is space, the final frontier, the cosmos. But obviously it is an incredibly dangerous place for people to venture because it is just not a habitable, you know, it's just not a good situation for us, you know, being out there in the vacuum of space. But I've always wondered, how do we die in space? You know, like without the space, whatever, how do we die? Because like in like popular cartoons, when we say like The Simpsons and in movies, like when if Bart and Homer are in space and like something happens to their space, it's like straight away their heads inflate like a balloon and just burst. Is that how you would die in space without a spacesuit? Well, technically, not really. For my final terrible way to die that I want to talk about on this episode of the My Popper Podcast, it is what would it be like to die in space? Dying in space. If you became gripped with an uncontrollable urge to go for a quick, unprotected pleasure float in outer space, here's what would likely happen. First off, the gas in your lungs and digestive tract would rapidly expand, inducing swelling. If you chose this inopportune chance to hold your breath, your lungs would likely burst and you'd be a goner. So take note, if you ever are in space and find yourself without a spacesuit, breathe out before you go into the vacuum of space, otherwise your chest will explode. Any water directly exposed to the environment, such as the liquid on your eyeballs or tongue, would boil off in a matter of seconds. About 10 seconds into your ordeal, you would lose vision. Moments later, you would likely lose consciousness. A result of gas exchange between working in reverse and oxygen being dumped from your blood. Your skin would discolour to a pallid shade of blue. After about one minute, circulation would stop altogether. After another minute, you'd be dead by asphyxiation. There is some good news to take away from this morbid message. You could be likely to survive, you know, unprotected in space for about 90 seconds. And, you know, to me, that's fairly like, okay, like 90 seconds. Like, I can, okay, I can be out floating in space 
for 90 seconds. That's a minute and a half. And I feel like that is good, you know? I feel like that is something to know. That do not give up all hope if you find yourself dislodged, you know, from whatever planet, ship, whatever you happen to be on. If you ever find yourself in space, you've 90 seconds to be rescued. You've 90 seconds to float your ass back into whatever starship, you know, you happen to be around. So how many people have died in space? I think it is around, it's less than 30 people. I couldn't really find a definite answer, but I did want to know. Because obviously space is extremely dangerous for humans for now. But about 30 people, just under 30 people have lost their lives in space. And, and the first group, I think, to have ever lost their lives in space was the crew of the Soyuz 11. The first space station to park itself above Earth's atmosphere was the USS Orr's Salyut 1 which launched unmanned on April 19, 1971. Just a few days later, a crew of three Soviets blasted off aboard Soyuz 10 with the goal of entering the space station and staying in orbit for a full month. Though the Soyuz 10 crew docked safely with the Salyut 1, issues with the entry hatch prevented them from entering the space station. During their premature return trip back to Earth, toxic chemicals leaked into the air supply of the Soyuz 10, causing one cosmonaut to pass out. However, all three members of the crew ultimately made it back safe with no long-lasting effects. So if you're wondering what the difference is between a cosmonaut and an astronaut, cosmonaut is the word that the Russians used for astronaut. Just a few months later, on June 6, the Soyuz 11 mission took another crack at accessing the space station. Unlike the previous crew, the three Soyuz 11 cosmonauts, Georgi Dubrovsky, Vladivis Velok and Viktor Patsav, successfully entered Salyut 1. Once aboard, they spent the next three weeks not only setting a new record for the longest time spent in space, but also carrying out loads of experiments focused on how the human body deals with extended periods of weightlessness. On June 29th, the cosmonauts loaded back into the Soyuz 11 spacecraft and began their descent to Earth. And that's when tragedy struck. To those on the ground, everything about Soyuz 11 re-entry seemed to go off without a hitch. The spacecraft appeared to make it through the atmosphere just fine, ultimate landing in Kazakhstan as planned. It wasn't until recovery crews opened the hatch they discovered that all three crew members inside were dead. Basically what had happened was there had been a problem with a valve inside which left the people, the three members of the crew, susceptible to the vacuum of space. So these people had died in space yet their spacecraft had returned to Earth but their souls were left to wander in the infinite vacuum of space. That is it from me in the Mind Poppers podcast from the Mind Poppers basement. Today was a dark episode. It was heavy. We looked at how, you know, some of the darkest ways people died, how people were tortured. Um, and of course, then we looked on the brighter side of things, you know, the browner side of things in eating ass. As always, I'm Adam O'Reilly for the Mind Poppers podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. I will be back next week with a whole plateau of the dark, the strange and the wonderful. In the meantime, stay woke and eat some ass. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.